0: And um, I wish there were more people here to hear it, but I, can't, I can only cook. I can't make people show up for dinner. And so, you know, I, you know, and that's just the reality of it. Now, I will tell you before we start, let's just open in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your word. I pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear, God, what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let's just say that again. God, give us ears to hear. What the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is saying to the body of Christ in the world today. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would let us lay aside our tradition. God, that you would, God, if need be, rip us out. Rip us out of the soil of bad theology. God... But I ask you to leave a little root so that we can be transplanted in Jesus' name. So that's where we're going today. So now in, in light of, I, we're back in Revelation 12 today so you can go there. Now, in light of what's going on in Israel, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was sitting in the living room, probably on a Saturday morning, a Friday morning, something like that. It was probably about 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And Mike and I were in there, and we're drinking our coffee, and I sit where I sat and he sits where he sits, and we're just meditating. And I read Revelation 12 because I knew upcoming that Sunday, that was my next stop on my study. And I read it, and it's like when I read it, I caught a flash of something. And I don't know how to explain it other than lightning flashed and I saw something, but as soon as I saw it, it was gone. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking out the window in a dark night of a storm and the wind is blowing and all of a sudden lightning flashes and you see something because lightning illuminates it just for a second, but then after the, after the lightning's gone, you no longer see it. This happened to me when I was a kid. Um, I got up in the middle of the night, and I lived in North Texas, which in the 80s, that was Tornado Alley. Tornado Alley moves according to weather patterns, but when I was a kid, it was Tornado Alley. And so I woke up in the middle of the night, and lightning flashed, and as I looked toward the Red River, which was north from our house, I looked out my bedroom window, and I saw a funnel cloud huge like a it was it wasn't I don't know that it was completely touched down on the earth at that time but I saw it with the lightning now as soon as the lightning was gone I could no longer see the funnel cloud but I ran into my parents bedroom they were right across the hall and I said I said mom and daddy there's a tornado there's a tornado there's a tornado and my dad of course that wakes you up because it was stormy and things and it wasn't raining yet and my dad sat up and he had windows at the end of his bed and he looked out he said what he said there's nothing and he looked and lightning flashed again and he saw the funnel cloud now completely touched down and he said get up there's a tornado and so we got up in the middle of the night and grabbed some things and we my grandmother lived right next door and we went to her house and we were getting her there's a tornado but I mean the fact of the matter was it didn't do anything because in the reality of it when you see a tornado matter where it's at you think it's coming directly for you it had already passed the place where it would have, it has to come from where my house was at. It would have had to come from this way to put us in path. If it's already on this side of my house, it's moving away from us. Because tornadoes move in a certain direction. But at my point in that is that the lightning revealed something in a moment that I went and I alerted my family, though they couldn't believe me until another lightning flash came and it revealed it again. Well, see, I was, reading the re- I was reading Revelation and lightning flashed and I couldn't see it, but I told him, didn't I? I said, I feel like I just read, I said, I can't teach this this next week. I said, I don't know if I'll ever get back to it. Maybe I'm finished. I said, I don't think I understand fully what I need to understand. The Lord just, I said, just like a flash of lightning, I saw something that I've never seen before, but I couldn't make it out. And I said, so until I can understand what it was I saw, I feel like the Lord's telling me don't go any further in this. And so you'll notice for the past two weeks I've dropped Revelation entirely because I didn't have the, and then when Israel was invaded, I felt like that was the Revelation of what was coming that I needed to finish it. And furthermore, what the things, all my study in Revelation, as soon as I read it that morning and I saw that lightning flash, I had, I read my notes. I've made notes for months on it. And they made no more sense to me. It's like the Lord can close. you have to know this about the Lord. You want to write something down? You can meditate on this. The Lord controls the revelation. Yes, He does. He controls all revelation. Talking about a spirit hermeneutic, before we study the Bible, we have to know the Lord, Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, that He, that he controls the revelation. Why does the Lord control the revelation? Because revelation is so powerful. If he just, and it's so precious, if he just went out spraying it out all the time and it was coming out in abundance to people, here's it not only would not be special, it would be so dangerous, Renee. Here is what the scripture says about revelation. Jesus said to those who have what they have and use, So revelation, what person uses, more will be added. But him who does not use, even what he has will be taken away. So here's the point. Revelation, God gives you revelation and you don't use it. That creates a wasting in your life. Now, this is important for the church. All these people who are constantly clamoring, clawing, and so hungry for revelation makes people go after what we call esoteric revelation or other revelation, spiritual revelation that is not from God, but from an unholy spirit. See, we become, we become, we become people who are Desirous or crave revelation, but for the sake of revelation, not to put it into practice and have that revelation first impact our life and bring all things into reconciliation of that revelation. In other words, God gives you a revelation, Tommy, and there's areas in your life that are out of agreement with that revelation. You first begin to use the revelation in your own life. And you say, anything in my life that disagrees with the revelation of this word, God, I go to combat with my own disobedience, and I bring every thought into captivity and make it obedient to the law of Christ. But a person who has revelation, oh, yeah, I know that I've heard that before, but you've made nothing in your life obedient to the revelation it creates a wasting effect in your life because disobedience is as much a seed as obedience. Disobedience is as much a seed as obedience is. And every seed has a fruit. So, with that said, be careful with what you hear. That's, what it, that's But hearing is not just... It's here. You come to church and you're like, God just spoke to me. And your heart's racing because the Holy Spirit is tapping on the door of your heart to bring revelation to you. And you, you get this flash of yourself out of disagreement with God in some area of your life. But instead of bringing it, using the revelation to bring your life into obedience, you swat it away because you can't be bothered. Not knowing that that seed of disobedience was sown into the soil of your life just as much as the seed of obedience is sown into the soil of your life, and every seed has a fruit. So be careful what you hear. Cultivate it. So here, that's just that's all free. So then, when we come into revelation, we understand that revelation has a cost. The greatest cost of all, of all revelation, is Jesus is the revealed Son of God. He's the revelation of God and He's the revelation of humanity. He's the revelation of the human you should be. The, he, the human, the human, I, my, my granddaughter calls them humans. So we've taken to calling it. So if I say human, that's because my, it's my granddaughter speaking through me. The other day, her mother said, anything happen at school today? She's five, just turned five. And she said, No, nothing, just born. And then her teacher said, did Nora tell you the exciting news? She said, no, she don't tell me anything. It's boring, she said. Um, she said, what? There was a snake in the bathroom of our classroom at church. And, and Hannah looked at Nora and said, that's exciting. You said nothing happened. She said, it was just a baby snake. <laughs> now, Nora will pick up a snake. You have to tell her not to touch them. And so and, and Hannah said, well, Nora, that's exciting. What did, what did y'all do? And Nora said, oh, It was nothing it was a baby snake and they got a human to come in there and take it away (laughs) just got a human to come in you know what there's something in that isn't there all the snakes in your life all you the Lord sent a human to come in and take it away we make a big deal about snakes and we make a little deal about humans but Jesus became the ultimate human who came in and he crushed the head of all the snakes so there's something about five-year-old theology that just rocks So as we look at this, we turn to Revelation 12 and we begin to look at the situation as Israel. And we're going to answer the question today is what does it mean to stand with Israel? Now, what does it mean to stand with Israel? See, I think that much of our idea of standing with Israel comes from a political point of view. That so long as we as Americans with our political objectives stand with Israel, what does that mean to stand with the country? As, be behind them, provide them, you know, we, missiles, defense, you know, or, or whatever, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But as a church, how is that fulfilling your obligation to, to stand with Israel? Okay, so to pray as a church, now it's not bullets and beans, it's, it's prayer. And Okay, now what does it mean, on, okay, once you've prayed and you've done these things, if you are to stand with a family member, what else does that mean? Let's say a family member. Because we're being brought, Ephesians said, calls us one new man. Corinthians calls us uh, one loaf, one new man. So, olive tree, as I've called it, olive tree theology is Romans 11, that we are grafted in, that we are from the wild branch, and that we have been cut off and grafted into Israel. Israel's not grafted into the church. The church is grafted into Israel. So many people have an idea of what they call replacement theology. You may or may not be familiar with that. It's a very huge term in the church. Most of the churches around here, other than well, most of the ones that are closest to the Reformation, such as Lutheranism, Luther, the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Calvinists, um, different yeah, different ones in that vein that are closest to Luther, Martin Luther, are going to believe all the way into, you know, Nazi, there was a strong Christian church in Nazi Germany. Y'all know that? Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood against the Nazis and he died just before the war ended. He was murdered by the Nazi regime because he stood. The church at that time, so how could the Christian church in Nazi Germany allow the extermination of of the Jews, a million Jews? they think they deserved it did they Oh, they said they said they brought it. The, would you open this for me somebody they said they brought this on themselves right yeah, yeah, okay now we have to understand that let their blood be upon us and our children I remember when I was a child my dad told me that that's what that meant that that's what that meant that let their blood be upon us and as a result of that because see this is called replacement theology as a result of that God cast off Israel and picked up the church. That's, that's the, that is replacement theology in a nutshell. However, it does not mean that all replacement theologists are anti-Semites. But anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish, anti-Israel does grow from the soil of replacement theology. And it has throughout. So in Nazi Germany, as the bells are ringing on a Sunday morning and they're singing How Great They Art, just under the steeple on the railways right beside the church, the Nazi war machine is carrying millions of Jews to their execution. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? It's bad theology. That's how that happens. It's not understanding the Bible. And so it's time for us. This is where the deception in the church is going to come in in the last days. Is holding to your your system of belief over what the Word of God actually teaches. I'm telling you, this study in Revelation has changed me to the core. As I have had to take my system of belief and I have read scriptures and I have read them through the lens of my belief system and not through the lens of what the word is saying. And how do I know this? Because I continually import what I've been taught into the scripture and it's just not there. When I step back and look at it and go, I have to ask myself, this is how I do. I say, Andrea, where are you getting that? You just put your belief in there. Is it actually in the scripture? I'm like, no, it's not. Point to it in the scripture. It's not there. Then what does it say without your belief system? Read it again without your... I've had to, This has been an exercise I've had to do. Read it again without what you've been told this means and read it from the point of what scripture is saying. And then I'll go to bed and wake up and read it the same way I did the... It's not. This has been... When I prayed that prayer to rip you up out of your soil of your theology possibly but I hope you get enough root to be planted. You know, I'm saying, and I, I'm not trying to scare anybody. You're saying, Andrew, are you trying to teach us bad doctrine? No, no, not at all. But I am trying to teach you. I want you to be able, when I ask you, why do you believe that? You tell me what the Bible says, not what your system says. Now, this has been, you can watch, Mike has watched me do this. I mean, I have just, I have just, been frustrated and of course he's my sounding board board, and I just go over things with him and I know he's probably just like Andrea then he'll say I'll say what I just said what did you just hear I know because I want to know what his ears perceived he said well when you're saying that it sounds like you're saying this I'm like yeah that's not what I'm trying to say you see how you know what I mean I'm like I'm trying so what what did you hear when I said that see I don't think that you understand how much work goes into this I'm not just getting a curriculum and going, you say, and pu- somebody pulling a string in my back. And so, and I, is this not true? And I'll say, and I'll say, don't, I'll say, listen to this, does this make sense? Then I go back in history and I say, where did this come from? Where did this belief come from? Is it grounded in the Word of God or is it grounded in, in the Reformation? In the humans, in the humans yeah, <laughs> the worst kind. So here we look at Revelation 12, and we're just going to jump in here. Enter Revelation 12, and I'm going to read it, and then we're going to move through it. I got to go fast though a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars and she is pregnant crying out in birth pains and agony to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, a great fiery red dragon that had seven heads and ten horns and seven royal crowns on his head and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. It hurled them to the earth. Now the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that whenever she gave birth she might devour, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron psalm 2 and her child was snatched away and to god in his throne mount of olives he descended he ascended then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for her so that god might take care of her for 1260 days that's three and a half years mark your time time is making you mark it here and war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels making war against the dragon. The dragon, okay fought and they were not strong enough and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth. earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom and our God and the authority of his anointed one for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, has been thrown out. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even in the face of death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, in you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great rage, knowing that his time is short. Now when the dragon saw he had been thrown to the earth, he stalked the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly into the wilderness to a place where she was taken care of for a time, times, and a time and a half. Three and a half years, 1260 days. And from out of his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river after the woman in order to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the aid of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had spewed from his mouth, so that the dragon became enraged at the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus." And he stood on the shore, he, the dragon, stood on the shore of the sea. I didn't read, oh, oh. In your Bible it may, the Tree of Life version breaks up chapters slightly differently in place. But that's where, I just read it from the Tree of Life. Now what I'm looking at here is we are looking at a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, and the stars Twelve stars in her head. Who are we looking at? We're looking at Israel as a nation. This woman is because she gives birth to a male child. Who is the male child? And Satan, the red dragon, the serpent, comes to devour the child when he is born. Did this happen in history? Herod, yes, Herod went out. To destroy, empower. It wasn't, see, now here's your more of your theology. Who will Satan use? The same ones God will use. Humans. So see, Satan didn't actually devour the child, did he? He was, he was clothed. He, his, his plans were put in a man by the name of Herod who had the kingship over Israel at the time. He just happened to be a descendant of the Edomites. You'll always find them in the background lurking somewhere. And so we see here Herod, when the wise men show up, they're like, Oh, when you find this king, tell me I want to go worship him too. Well, they were warned in a dream that he was a liar. And they went away another way. And then then Joseph was given warning by an angel to take Jesus and go to flee to Egypt. And stay there until Herod was no longer in office. A different king see this is not this is not that weird it's just symbolism just telling you the story that you already know so now when we're interpreting the symbols we have to use the interpretation structure so if the dragon was a ruler on earth here it's Satan but he's taking the form of a ruler on earth there in the in the future the Antichrist is going to be what it's already told us how to interpret it it's gonna be a human Taking the form of a ruler on earth, but empowered, literally in the end, possessed. The devil is not possessing anyone. That's a low, low order for the Satan himself, for Lucifer. I mean, he's, you know, people will say all the time, I just, the devil's trying. It's not that, you probably have never run into Satan. You probably never run into Lucifer. You know what I mean? He's not taking the time for you. It's probably a little lower level than that. He's dealing on a little higher levels of the world. You know, if, if, if Satan's coming to tempt you like that, you're like, I'm dealing with Lucifer himself, then or you might be the Antichrist. <laughs> so that's what my point there is. Learn how to interp- interpret it. Don't create whole new interpretive structures because you're looking into the future. Use how you, it was interpreted. You clearly see the interpretation from the past and apply that interpretive structure to the future. Don't change it. That's where we get messed up and start building all kinds of wackos Then I read so many commentaries on this. This is what I do in my office. I go, "Oh, brother." One, this is the moon's the something. The Jews, the sun's the church. The woman's the. I mean, it's like. I mean, it's like are y'all y'all have to smoke a crack pipe to come up with this? These are unenlightened people who have no spirit hermeneutic. They have more. I mean. Go write sci-fi, but don't try to interpret Scripture. They're not the same. So as we look at this here, it's basic. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. So the woman, Jesus. But what happened? The child, he was going to devour him. Jesus said it in his own words. He said, he said let's all be quiet right now. He said, the prince of this world, is my, the hour is come. The archon, the ruler, archon, ruler, prince. The archon of this world has come, but he has nothing in me. So not only was he protected as a child, he was protected his whole life. For instance, God bankrolled the raising of Jesus with the visitation of wise men from the east. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave Mary and Joseph received a literal fortune. To raise this child. Flee to Egypt. That would cost them a lot of... They were poor people. The wise men had already paid for that journey. Whenever Jesus called his disciples, they were fishing. He called. They fished all night without any luck. You know the story. Hey, cast your net to the other side of the boat. They pulled in enough fish that it would have made their boat sink and they had to get other boats to help them then he says come and follow me leave your fishing business what did he just do he bankrolled them to follow him see you in your life want God to bankroll you but you have no plan of following him that's why the Lord says you want what what for so you can put your feet up and live in ease. No dice, sugar. You see what I'm saying? See, it, that's, why, that's why I have people who have healing. They need healing in their body. They need provision in their life. I ask them, what are you going to do with it for the kingdom? Not that you earn it. But I want you to have some sort of a vision for the provision that God is giving you. If you don't, if it's just self-consumption, well, that's the way of the world. You're being conformed to the world, not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Reassign wealth and influence and every such thing that you might want for something that serves Christ and not serves yourself. it's worthless it's just wood hay and stubble so many of us in the body of Christ are trying we've reduced the kingdom of God to a multi-level marketing scheme where we recruit people to push us to the top of the pyramid it's inverted in the kingdom the greatest among you shall be your servant the least in the kingdom the pyramid is inverted the one who thinks he is great is balancing the weight of the whole thing on himself. And the system is crushing him. Flip the whole thing over. Put Christ at the top and all the we should be we should be leveraging for the positions at the bottom. Not trying to climb the ladder of success. You don't even get the kingdom yet. I mean, you want to elbow somebody out, it better be for the higher servant position because Jesus, when he came, he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't lower himself. He elevated service. I heard a man one time, a long time ago, in a land far, far away, who was on staff at a church. Who said he wouldn't do a particular thing because he didn't want people to see him as just simply a lowly? And me and Mike looked at him, went okay, and we looked at each other. We said, "He's done. He's done." See, that's how it works. It's just how it works. And so we look at here and we see the bankroll and the provision. The provision has a purpose. they go, Andrew, go, 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 go. And then it, it moves on into 12 and it says she gave birth and the Christ and in this, in this one was caught up into heaven. Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives and they watched him, disciples watched him go ascend. And two men in white apparel stood beside them saying, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing at this Jesus? In the same way that he went, he will also return to you. And so the angels were saying, Don't get stuck here. He ascended, and as they ascended, they watched a cloud receive him out of their sight. The same way he went is the same way he comes. There's going to be a cloud. We know there's going to be a cloud. This sounds like this sounds entirely apropos. If you know the word of God, you know whenever he led them out of Egypt, it was by a And the cloud became a canopy during the day that shaded them from the sun. And at night it had some sort of radiance in it that actually looked like a a flame that kept them warm. And this cloud was also called canopy. In the Hebrew, it's called hupa, which is what you stand under to get married. And so this canopy, hupa, covered the mountain of Sinai as ten ten vows were given to them. And God said, here's the vows. And Israel said, I do, I do, I do. I marry you, Jehovah God. And on their honeymoon night, they committed adultery with a golden calf. And Moses, as is, we show us Moses, the great intercessor. So we know in the heart of God, he needs to destroy people. But what does the heart of mercy and kindness do? He provides an intercessor. He provides an intercession, but not a grace. Not a grace that allows you to do what you want, but a grace that empowers. I know what you're saying. But a grace that, I'm just trying to help get rid of some of the old ideology. But a grace that empowers you to do what you should. A grace that stoops over. See, we have it in the scripture, we just don't make the connections. Come boldly, therefore, to the throne of grace that you may receive help, help in the time of need. What does help do? Help, help means that you've got a job to do, and I'm gonna help you do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it for you, but I am kinda. But it's gonna be do, done through you. I'm gonna show you how power, my power working in you, gets the job done. That's grace. So stooping to help. How do I overcome sin? Oh, help! I'll help you with that. What? Whoa! I got a power. See, you see it. You see it in the book of Esther. Whenever a law went out by the king. The king Artaxerxes sent out a law that says to kill, annihilate, and destroy all the Jews. It's like, is there a theme in the earth, Lord? I'm just like this over and over again. People are trying to kill, annihilate, and destroy your people. It seems like to me, this is a plot of Satan. I mean he's trying to devour the child he's trying to kill the woman and here we are in 2023 and the exact same thing is happening what should your church do in light of this I don't know Andrea read the book again so as we begin to look at this we see the devouring to kill Artaxerxes kill annihilate and destroy the Jews but there was an intercessor I'm starting to see a pattern. A woman by the name of Esther became a divine intercessor to do what? Save her people. And so a law had already gone out, kill, annihilate, and destroy the Jews. On Friday the 13th, true story. That's where the Friday the 13th comes from. It was going to happen on Friday the 13th. But then what did the Purim, it's the Feast of Purim. That's what came out of that. But what happened to stop the kill, annihilate, and destroy? And intercessors raised up. But amazingly enough, the king, the whole plan is revealed in a banquet. Bridal identity. not a Esther never lifted a weapon. She used her beauty. A glorious church, beautiful church without spot or wrinkle. She used her beauty. Do I have anybody who's beautiful in here? I'll be the first to say I am because I am a part of a glorious church. See, we have no trouble understanding warriorism, but we don't understand bridal identity. See, we've made people Nazarites take a vow, keep your vow, don't grow your hair, grow your hair, don't cut your hair. You know what I mean? Hard, like willpower. We have no problem teaching in the church people to be Nazarites. We have a hard time teaching them to be Shulamites. You know who a Shulamite is? Solomon's lover, the bride that he loved and pursued. See, we in the church become a Shulamite. But Israel is outside of the knowledge of Christ, but what is Christ bringing them into? Is he bringing them into a Nazarite vow or a Shulamite vow? A Shulamite vow. Where are you already at in the church? Are you a Nazarite or a Shulamite? You didn't know it, but you're a Shulamite. the lover of God, the friend of God. Because you're the bride of Christ. And so the bride steps into the banquet without weapons or anything, using only her beauty to influence her voice. To influence the king. Can you, somebody say intercession. And the king turns and issues another decree. But he didn't, he can't, when you're a mighty king, you can't rescind a decree. See, here's the context. Here's the metaphor. Here's the metaphor. The law of sin and death, Romans 8 held all of humanity in bondage. The law of sin and death went out. And it would kill, annihilate, and destroy every human being. But another law comes into place. And that law causes a power. We're talking about the power of grace here. Causes a power to come into this group of people that causes them to kill, annihilate, and destroy so then Friday the 13th becomes a woohoo day and not a woo-woo day. Okay, to defend that's excellent. That's excellent. But that doesn't sound like a real salvation, does it, unless you understand more context. Okay, so here you are, Sharon. Your enemy is coming against you, and he's going to kill, annihilate, and destroy you. And I say, and I come to you and say, ah, you can defend yourself. Now, what did, y- did y'all all see that? Y'all are all like, that, that wasn't salvation. The salvation is you come and you do it for me. But see, you're supposed to see how grace works here, how the, the law of life in the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. So when the greater law helps you, comes into you, then the power arises in you so that the enemy of sin and death and darkness that would have destroyed you and has been destroying you and probably is destroying you right now because you're ignorant of the information, you haven't defended yourself in grace because you didn't know what grace was. You thought it meant that you continually are destroyed by the enemy and somehow you call that grace that he sent your sickness to you to teach you a lesson or that he sent your poverty to you to, I don't know, make you humble or, or he allows you to sin because it's fun and, you know, you're only a human. See, the law, do you see what I'm saying? The greater law has come. And when you put that law inside of you, you become the ones they fear. And we see that because they destroyed them. How did another law make them so powerful? Well, I don't know. You tell me. How did the gospel cause you to overcome your sin? Or has it not? If it hasn't, then you don't get it. It's not there yet. Okay, we're moving along. I can't take, I can't take questions, I know. So we're just moving fast. And so the angel, Jesus was caught up. So we're moving fast through this narrative. And it says, "In the woman, and she fled. Okay, now, here we are. The woman was given the wings of the eagle. What does that mean? Now people will tell. Do you know who's read more commentary than me? No one. Okay. What does this mean? Well, and I—I mean, I I have to be, because all I had was the ignorance of what I learned, and I just was, and I didn't want to take the time to study it. Honestly, I've been a Bible teacher for years, but I didn't want to take the time to study this. It's too complex. It's like, I didn't want to learn to do algebra either. Let people who know algebra do algebra, right? But then there comes a time where you're like, the Lord's like, I want you to learn algebra. And you're like, no. That's right. I don't know. I don't know. So just, I use that. And, and so the Lord's like, now what are the wings of the great eagle? Well, what I'd always been taught all my life growing up in church is that it's going to be America coming to the aid of Israel. The wings of the great eagle, you know, or America. Because we're always looking because we as Americans cannot, we just can't cope with the fact that America is not in Scripture. We just can't cope with it. No, well, no, I mean, that may be, see, Renee, that may be, but see, you're trying to put, here's the problem with that. I'm going to teach you how to interpret. Here's the problem with that. This is what the Lord, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying you bad, bad people. I'm saying this is how it happened. This is what I'm saying is what I had to start doing. I'm reading that, and all I'm doing is forcing in my 2023 understanding into an ancient book. Now, when this book was written, did America exist? But I couldn't leave that because I'm an American, and I've been taught this my whole life, and I like the fact of me coming in and rescuing a nation, right? Or in some way with my American flag waving in behind me. Not me exactly, but you know my people. It's just—it's just see this patriotism speaking. It's not biblical hermeneutic speaking. So then, it's and so it's a wrong human. And so then I'm I'm like okay. So what do I do with this God? He's like, well, first off, let's get rid of the whole Americanism thing. Not that he hates America. He doesn't. But that's just not how I interpret this. But it's true. But then I look at this and I say, okay, what is this God? And he's like, Andrea. Scripture interprets scripture. You've already got a key. Why are you trying to create another cipher, another key to interpret what's already there? Use scripture to interpret scripture. Where he, And this is what the Lord, you've only preached this a thousand times, Andrea. Where is it at? The wings of the great, oh, Deuteronomy 32. And he stirred up, his, he carried them. God carried them on the wings of an e- eagle out of Egypt. So it wasn't America? He's like... So it's a figurative language of God's rescue of Israel out of Egypt, how he carried them like a mother eagle would carry and rescue her young. He carried them to safety. So in the same context, God's saying this is just figurative language of I'm going to rescue them and carry them to a place where... Where? No, I just read it and see the scripture. Don't don't tell me what you think it says. They say you already started trying to do it. She's like, "What's well, going to be this? No, it's the will. All you know is it's the wilderness. We're going to have to have more scripture to tell us what the wilderness is. Oh, we you know it's away from the dragon in a place called the wilderness. But we've seen this before, haven't we, Andy? Have we ever seen an e- God swoop in like an eagle and carry the children of Israel to a place in the wilderness from a dragon? Where did y'all see that show? Oh, in Egypt. Yeah, I thought we'd saw that already. So isn't that interesting that we're getting them back to the place of the... Which is where the place that they did what? Betrothed the Lord. He's taking them back to the ground of the wedding. Because where are we heading with Israel? If you know where we're heading with Israel, you know Zechariah 14 or 10, 12 says, 12, 10, one of those, I'm terrible with numbers sometimes, 12, 10, I think, that they will look on him whom they have pierced. They, meaning Israel, will look on him whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. So something, somewhere, Israel is going to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. They're going to. They don't just have to. It's the Bible. They're going to. Now, what will it, will it come at a great cost to them? Oh my goodness. Will it come at a great cost to us? Oh my goodness goodness this is where you will have to split between your patriotism and your Christian Christianity see now do you see how that starts to look a little bit what if what if what if things start getting see this is where the Bible says we're going don't say where you think we're going as a nation but where we're going in according to the Bible because I'm going to hold out on the Bible the Constitution of the United States may fall but the Word of God will stand forever so I just want oh I got a hair there. I just want us to be informed. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in understand this, but I'm just trying to use a biblical hermeneutic to interpret it. So it goes to the place in the wilderness. Now what happens? The antichrist sends out a flood. Now what is this flood? Is it water? You think demons? <laughs> Okay, what will, how did, in the Bible, where do you see a horde of demons coming in and attacking people where there are no humans? It's not gonna be that. See what I mean? You're, you're forcing in a belief that's just, you're forcing in an interpretation that's not there. And it's natural for us to wanna to do this. You know why? Because we never wanna see people as being a part of this. That's why when I say, who will Satan use? And I say the same ones God will use, I always hear people go, mm. Mm. because no one in here likes to think that they're used to Satan currently. darkness it's gonna yeah there's gonna be a great falling away that's my end game here excuse me I don't want to see anybody who I've taught to fall away I want to be I want you to be prepared <clears throat> mm-hmm. This water has gathered together, mm-hmm. and there's no for the flood, really. mm-hmm. I mean, this a thing. We right. can see a wall of water coming. Right, and that teaches us something that's happening. I think probably this will be a flood of war. War. Missiles, war, troops, a flood. A flood is, is figurative language, and when the enemy comes in like a flood... It doesn't necessarily mean it's an actual body of water, a tidal wave, right? It's a metaphor of how you're supposed to see how great the enemy is going to assault. It's like a flood that cannot be stopped. So in other words, there's nothing that can prevent, whenever the Antichrist decides to go after the woman who is Israel, fleeing in the wilderness, he sends out a flood against them, a flood of missiles, a flood of... Of troops a flood of hostility however you tanks I mean however you see flood in warfare and so he sends that out but what happens the earth it says the earth opens up and helps the woman When has this ever happened in the Word of God Moses was in the wilderness and Korah someone being used of darkness stood against him And they were all priests. I mean, this is who will Satan use, the same ones God. I mean, Korah said, why do we have to listen to you, Moses? We can hear from God just as easily as you can. That's right. And Moses said, well, I won't defend myself, but we'll let God do it. So everybody for Korah over here and everyone who thinks God speaks through me over here. If you think God speaks through Korah over there and you think God speaks through Moses over here, decide. And they lined up between either Mo- I mean that you know, can you imagine? It's like, what are we going to do? Daddy, what are we going to do today? Well, honey, I'm going to go with Moses well. I think in chorus a better job. I mean, he's been, you know, he's said a lot of really good things and I think, you know, even though he is like he does some bad stuff, but you know, overall I think he's for us. And Moses sometimes does some really weird stuff and I think that he's trying to kill us out here sometimes. Well, okay, honey. We can, I mean, we can always switch later, can't we? And what does it say? The earth did help Moses. The earth opened up. An earthquake opened up the earth and it swallowed all of Korah. Now, and their livestock, everything gone. I'd be like, it's Moses. Hey, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. (laughs) Give me an M. Give me an O. Give me an S. You know what I'm saying? Yay, Moses, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Moses. Hey, Moses. That's what I'm doing at that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about right there, don't you? That'll seal the deal, won't it? Well, see, this is what's going to start happening. The whole world's going to start seeing this. That's how it's going to go down. And so the earth, and so now, what does it say? After, now we're at the three and a half year mark, because the Bible gives us, it's now, see, it takes a whole bunch, and it paints it into history, it brings us up to four, but it gives us that three and a half year marker, because now we're in the time of Jacob's trouble. The last of the 70th week of Daniel. It said three and a half years, 1260 days, a time, time, and a half a time, a time, time, and time and a half, three and a half years, three and a half years, that's three and a half years, so we know where we're at. It's repetitive, because it wants you to know where you're at. Three and a half years. And so here, where does then, you're like, Andrea, we're not supposed to be here at this time. See, that's, that's. maybe not. See, maybe not. But see, you have to be, I would rather be prepared and not need it than need it and not have it. All day, every day. So here we are at three and a half years. And hey, maybe you're gone, but your kids are not. You might need to teach them a thing or two. So here we are at three and a half years. But who then? There's somebody here, because here this next verse tells us there's somebody here. Let's read it together in case y'all miss it. Okay. And now I heard a loud voice saying, now I have the kingdom of God in the heavens. It snatched away the woman, and the war broke out. And we're going to talk about that, but not at this moment. We're going to have to have a whole service on that, but it's going to be good. But the woman, given two wings so that she might fly away from the presence of the serpent to the wilderness for three and a half years, and out of the mouth, that's the river, but the earth opened up, we did that, and the dragon spewed from his mouth. So the dragon, 17, so the dragon became enraged at the woman, He took out his rage against the woman. He couldn't hit her, could he? Couldn't get her. She's hiding in the wilderness, and he couldn't get his attack to her. He became enraged at the rest of her, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Who's that? Whoever this church is. Whoever the church is, whatever your theology will allow you to believe on that, that's whoever keeps the, does anybody, who in here keeps the commandments of God and holds to the testimony of Jesus? Raise your hand. That's me. And he goes off to make war on her. How are we the offspring of Israel? We are, aren't we? Ah, y'all all all know that. Y'all all know that. Now, does this fit into the um, biblical narrative of the Antichrist going and killing people and telling them and, and the Antichrist system? Yep. And so we look at this and we go, I don't, I don't want that to be true. Well, even if it's not true for you, it's going to be true for somebody who's called the church at that time. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, people are always like this. So, Oh, you know, I'll just give my head. You won't give in the offering. When you're broke. You won't give your head. If you're not if you haven't made up some sort of a mind now when it's easy, come on, let's be real. When they're killing killing your grandkids. Would you? See, this is where, now right now, now you say, that won't happen to me. That won't, right now, you're mad, you're mad. That won't happen to me, that won't happen to me, that won't happen to me because we're going to be gone, we're going to be gone. I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. Do you think that Israel thought that that wasn't going to happen to them too as their children are being um, decapitated in front of them? See, you don't, see, how is it we think we don't have to suffer? Could somebody show me your suffering escape card that you got notarized? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it runs like, I kind of <laughs> yeah right so here we are so that's what I'm saying I'm saying we have to make sure that whenever the Lord comes and takes us away that we're prepared for whatever degree yeah. Of persecution that we may have to endure, that you have a theology sound enough to keep you in that place, because you haven't let a belief system so take you off of point that now, whenever things happen that you never thought would happen, you no longer believe there even is a God. That you're willing to say, "I love not my life all the way, unto death if necessary." See, this is where it really gets—it really gets tricky because so many people don't not only not love their life unto death we see this all the time a person can't even not love their life all the way unto deciding to forgive their enemy but you don't know what they did to me you don't know what if you knew what they did to me you would never say i have to forgive them i wouldn't say it but god did but see, you know why, why is it you refuse to let go of unforgiveness when unforgiveness is so unforgivable? When they've done something so unforgivable, why is it that you won't forgive? It's because you love your life not unto death. You love your life unto life. You love your rights. You love your entitlement. You love the, the reality that you get to tell ten of your closest friends over and over and over again how, who's cheating who and who's being true and who don't even care anymore. Am I talking to real people? And you just keep saying that. I mean, I've had people before tell me their sad story of sorrow and woe, and it's in my family, so I can't tell them to shut up because they're senior, they're senior adults to me. You know what I mean? How you just can't do that. But I have to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over again about how somebody did what to who. And I've already heard the story literally a hundred times, and I'm hearing the same story over and over again. And I'm like, and I'm like well, you know, you just got to forgive. Well, I, I have forgiven them no you haven't see it's still you're still living it you're still ruminating that's what you're ruminating in is what you're saying so here we are so I'm talking about not loving your life unto death and we're going to go and so as we look at this what we're going to look at next week is Satan being cast out of heaven well yep really quick if it's you got 10 seconds Yeah, that's that's the reality. Is that most people think that prayer is magical, but it's not magical. And absolutely. And what does that look like? That looks like standing in the place of obedience. Okay, so twelve. It starts with a flashback and it moves forward. It moves forward to the place that we are seeing that all of the all of the enemies of God are being dealt with. All the enemies are got to be in with. Because if you look at Satan falling from heaven, what we start to see in there is Genesis 6 too. The sons of God saw the, be- the daughters of men were beautiful and they took to them to wife. And so they, they, they entered with humanity, the sons of God, the angelic realm, entered into relationship with humanity in some way at that time that brought about evil on the earth in a way that we call, the giant. the Bible just calls them giants. You know what though? What do we call what do we call Facebook and Twitter and pharma? The we call them all the giants, the pharmaceutical giants. We hear it on the news all the time. You hear it. They have the language for it. The pharmaceutical giants. You have the media giants. You have the you have all of these giants. They're the giants of our industry. Now you're saying, Andrea, those are giants. I'm just making a co- I'm just making a coordination between the two. That in that day before the flood, civilization was built on these giants. And they were men of renown. They were leaders. And so civilization today is built on what? Giants. It's built on giants. It's still built on giants. You just don't know it. You're like, wait a minute. That's I'm talking about 12 foot. I, I'm, you're trying to put the, but it's still in there. It's still in there. Satan brings about his schemes on earth through governmental structures and giant systems, beast systems beast systems so that's what's happening right now so don't try to i mean it's not like i mean a lot of people are like yeah they're going to start ai is going to make people into half human and half this and quasi that and quasi you know what whatever happens in the day however the antichrist is going to be brought about and however it's going to impact our life it's going to use the technology of the day just like it used the technology of the day there what technology did they have well they had bricks and they had straw and they built bricks and they smashed them and made into ziggurats that reached to heaven. They used their technology. That's all they were doing was using their technology of that day. What are we going to use? Our technology. We're going to use computers and we're going to use phones. We're not going to go back to building ziggurats, are we? No, you're not. You're going to use your technology. Is it going to be computer chips in the skin? Well, probably. You already have a computer chip in your pocket and you just tap it. I mean, you've already- Is it going to use Yes, it's going to use the technology, but don't get See, that's just a part of the B system. I mean, if I ask you, what would you do right now if all of your, if, if, if an economic sanction came along? That's all that is, the mark of the beast. It's just an economic sanction. See, if I put it in that term, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that feels really close. Put it back into some sci fi movie. I like that better. No, it's an economic sanction. What if there was such an economic sanction against the United States that all of a sudden we no longer use petrodollars in the works? It's, the works. Yeah. it's happening. What if all of a sudden the United States was not the superpower of the world and our economic system was no longer the most advanced system in the world and no one traded with our dollars anymore, no one wanted our dollars because they found out how long we've been making monopoly money and calling it something back by gold, but it's not. When Saudi Arabia is 10,000 times richer than we are. And as our administration completely hobbles us into oil dependence because we can no longer use and mine our own pipelines, and those pipelines we spent billions of dollars to build and years and years and years of manpower could be bombed in just that long and cut off through a computer virus and we wouldn't be able to tap it anyway. And all of a sudden, the ones who control the lights turned them off And all the economic sanctions were levied upon the great state of America in one moment. And all the money and all the assets, your 401k, your bank account and everything you have and even the money that you've built, that you've sewn into your mattress has become completely worthless. All of your security has just in one, I'm asking you this question. What if that happened tomorrow? Everything you have built your economic future around, it was gone just like that. And you couldn't buy or sell. Why couldn't I buy or sell, Andrew? I didn't take the mark. Because you don't have anything to buy or sell with. You don't have an economic. And so now I have to know my neighbor. And, you know, now we, you know, it's time for the bullets and beans. Are you going to give me your beans or are you going to give me your bullets? That's what it's going to come down to. So see I'm painting you're like, Andrew, this is a bleak picture. I'm just trying to paint you the picture of what could really happen in the Word of God. And see it's happening right now for a group of people that seem to be like so far removed from us that they're not even real people. They're like they're like figures in a play or, or fairies in a fairy tale. It looks like the movies when we watch them on TV. It does, but it's happening all around us and this could be coming to a city near you. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to put Revelation into a context and take it out of a sci-fi movie and put it into, you know... 2023. Do I think this is happening tomorrow? By the way, no, because there's a whole lot of things that really need to happen. We're in the we're in the beginning of it. And if y'all come and listen, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Satan being cast from heaven. We're going to talk about the lease of the earth being up. We're going to talk about the eviction order. And we're going to talk about God bringing all of the earth together. And you're going to stand all of the world is going to stand either behind King Jesus or Satan. It's going to be one or the other, and it's all going to be said and done. And then the kingdom of God, the kingdom of this world, shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And we will start into what is known as the millennial kingdom of Christ. And whether or not you want to accept Christ as your Savior or not, I want to say it makes no difference to me. It makes a great difference to me, but it makes no difference to me in the fact that I can't give it to you. I can only give you the information. I can't make the choice for you. And I will not give you some pat answer like some prayer that you can quote and somehow to get your fire insurance ready so on the day you can go, I got my card. That's not how it works. This is turning over your whole life to Jesus Christ, not turning over bits and pieces and portions of things that are inconvenient for you anyway. This is giving it all. I love you. Amen. great we need some of that okay, don't we but but it's the, at that half you know the half time so every time we see six months yeah. think about esther being soaked in oil and what did the virgins need and have extra oil i thought you would appreciate my i, I thought you would love that, I love that. Oh. our beauty reg we need a don't we need a beauty regiment in the charge yes.